and welcome to our podcast, How Therapy Works, a non-denominational guide to psychotherapy for new and experienced therapists. We're here to help you understand what's going on in your sessions and what to do next. This is a standalone podcast as well as a chapter-by-chapter companion guide to Dr. Smith's book, Psychotherapy, A Practical Guide. I'm Jeffrey Smith and I'm Associate Professor of Psychiatry at New York Medical College. And I'm Amelie Southwood, a mental health counselor in private practice, certified in EMDR. So this is the first of a fairly long series of podcasts, and we're going to cover a group of podcasts about theory, another set of them about how to practice a non-denominational kind of psychotherapy, and a third series about the different kinds of problems that you're going to encounter in practice and how to use these concepts to tackle each one of them. However, today we're going to start with something a little different and very, very practical. We're going to give you four questions that you can cycle through as you do your psychotherapy that will help you go from just being supportive to a focused therapeutic approach. And there are four simple questions, but each one has a really crucial role to play. So here we go. We're going to start out with these, and then after this podcast, we'll get on to the theory section. Okay, so navigating the therapeutic space, sharpening our focus on what is actually being revealed by the client in the room, uh, helps us to better help our clients. The first question, which I consider to be an anchor question, is to continuously ask myself what maladaptive patterns of acting, feeling, thinking, relating, and bodily responses are degrading my client's life? Okay, that's an important question. This, this one really focuses on what it is that psychotherapy can help with because the DSM Diagnostic Manual gives a bunch of kind of broad categories and mixtures of biological and psychological uh, symptoms, but those aren't very helpful for, for therapists. What therapy really allows us to do is to help people in the way they respond to things. When their responses are maladaptive, uh, that causes a tremendous amount of suffering, and that's what psychotherapy is good for. So this first question focuses us right in on the problems that we can do something about. Also, by mentioning that there are problems of acting, feeling, thinking, relating, bodily responses, we help to kind of categorize the, the different things, but all of these tend to get mixed together, and they're all things that psychotherapy uh, can really help with. So this question is to ask yourself, uh, what, are the, what are the problems? Now, there's an interesting f- factor. Uh, naturally, human beings tend to resist positive change. When we want a, a person to let go of some maladaptive pattern, they're afraid to let go of it in general. And the things that their mind tells them to do or to say or think or feel get them away from having to do this, this uh, work of looking at the problem that's, um, that they came in for. So then that leads us directly into question number two, which again anchors us in the work that we're doing in any given session. And that is, 
how are or were these patterns shielding the client from painful, uncomfortable, or overwhelming emotions, be they conscious or implicit? What are they protecting them from? Before we go into exactly what it is that the person is being protected from, it probably helps to look at how, how this maladaptive pattern, for example, let's say a person feels shame about themselves, they have low self-esteem. Well, low self-esteem is often a way of identifying with the aggressor for somebody who's experienced trauma. And so when we see that pattern of shame about the self, we can, we can ask ourselves, how is this pattern working? How does it function to keep this person from feeling something uncomfortable? And that's going to help us immediately to begin to home in on how this is working and what's going to happen, what is going to be the, the cost in a way to the, the client of letting go of that maladaptive pattern. And so there is a cost, but those, those maladaptive patterns are oftentimes entrenched and not easy to root out. Um, that's right. And that's why as we, as we get on into the rest of the, uh, of the podcast, we're going to be talking about EDPs, entrenched dysfunctional patterns. Entrenched means they're not so easy to get rid of because um, they're serving a purpose. And the instinctive mind says, well, wait a minute, are you asking me to let go of this protective mechanism that I've been using all my life? I don't want to let go of that. That sounds dangerous. And so a bunch of mechanisms will come into play to prevent the person from letting go of that protective maladaptive pattern. So that's why they're entrenched. Dysfunctional is obvious because, you know, people, um, people come because they're suffering because there's something that isn't working very well for them or could work better. And patterns because we're looking at units of pathology, units of problems. For example, we'll be talking in a later podcast about a panic attack. That's a pattern. It's a pattern of a bodily reaction, uh, a psychological reaction. Oh my gosh, I'm going to die. And then actions. What does the person do when they're, when they're experiencing a panic attack? So that's, that's a pattern that sort of acts as a unit. So we're going to be talking about EDPs as units of pathology and we're going to find that one person can have several of those units. And for example, when somebody doesn't want to talk about something that's uncomfortable, that's a unit of pathology. That's an EDP in itself. Yes. And also another one of the anchor questions that we therapists need to keep our focus on during the session, which is right now, what are the emotions being avoided that need to be faced? Okay, good. That's the third question. And after we think about how does this uh, dysfunctional pattern work to keep the person from a feeling, then the next question is obviously, what is that feeling? What was the original uncomfortable feeling? And sometimes these are feelings that are conscious, but sometimes we see people react, let's say, defensively or they 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 have some action or even a bodily response without even realizing that they're feeling something. Well, this is where, where recent science is showing us that human beings have the same deep emotional systems that other mammals have. 
And those involve emotions that can trigger a reaction without any awareness. Mm -hmm. Sometimes those emotions do come into consciousness as feelings. And the way we really know that one of those deep emotions has been activated is when we have a feeling and a bodily response at the same time. All of us therapists recognize, right? Right. Uh, when there are, let's say, tears, or when the person gets uncomfortable in their chair, or or if they feel anxiety and, and tell us, you know, I'm, you said that and I'm feeling anxious right now, then we know that one of those deep core emotions got triggered and came up to the level of consciousness. Those are the things that set off maladaptive response patterns. And so the third question is to ask ourselves, what exactly was the feeling? What were the circumstances and what was the feeling that related to those circumstances that was so uncomfortable that the person had to have some drastic response? I'll give you a dramatic example of that. Very often people come in because of depression and and what I can tell you from having sat with them and listened and asked this third question, very often depression involves low self-esteem, which is actually a more hopeful response than the kind of absolute hopelessness, absolute powerlessness, absolute negative feeling that was really triggering it in the first place. In other words, in order to take control of an uncontrollable situation, the instinctive mind comes up with the idea of, I'm, I'm a worthless person, because there's a little bit of hope in that. If you're a really a worthless person, maybe you could try extra, extra hard to be a little better, and maybe there's some hope there. So depression can actually be the lesser of evils, and, and that's what you find out when you ask that third question. And, and then ultimately, the question that we always have to keep in mind is how can I help my client move towards willingly and safely making changes and experiencing difficult feelings? That's the fourth anchor question, isn't it? Right, and, and that's a very, very key question because we're always working with the person as they are. And, and there are times when we're asking them maybe to face a very... Uh, difficult, painful um, emotion that they're not really prepared to deal with. I saw a uh, combat veteran recently and realized that he had been telling me about some really, really terrible experiences that he'd had in wartime and he never had any tears about it. And we talked about that and realized that what was missing was compassion for himself. And he said right there and then, oh no, I, I couldn't deal with that. I'm afraid I would unravel if I had any compassion for myself. He could feel compassion for others, but not for himself. And so we sort of said, well, we'll talk about that and we'll see if, if someday we can come to a point where it might feel safe to open the door to that kind of feeling. But we're not going to do it today because that's just too much for right now. So then taking our time to and, and giving them the support so right. that they can willingly and safely, I think safely is a very important yes. concept here, to make those changes and experience difficult feelings so that they can achieve a higher level of functioning. There's, there's a lot of research that says how important it is that the goals of 
you as a therapist and the goals of your client really need to be in alignment. And, and if they're not, that's, that's a problem. And so this question focuses on, on working together to, uh, to make this a, a safe and positive experience, even if it does involve uh, going, going into pretty deep and uncomfortable feelings. And one of the things that we'll talk a lot about in the, in the section on theory is that in most cases in psychotherapy, what ultimately helps us resolve people's problems so they don't come back is helping our client face the feeling underneath, helping them either change their behavior so the feeling comes up into awareness, or if the feeling's already there, helping them to detoxify that feeling so that it no longer causes dread. And at that point, then whatever the maladaptive pattern is that was there to avoid that feeling no longer has a reason to be there. It's just a habit, and it's much, much easier to trade in for something healthier. So this is a tall order. Even though we have been thoroughly trained and, uh, and practice regularly, I think it's really important for us to continue to cycle repeatedly through these four questions that uh, we briefly covered today. And the four questions are, one, what maladaptive patterns of acting, feeling, thinking, relating, and bodily responses are degrading my client's life? Two, how are or were these patterns shielding the client from painful, uncomfortable, or overwhelming emotions, be they conscious or implicit? And then continuing to anchor ourselves during the session with question three, right now, what are the emotions being avoided that need to be faced? And four, how can I help my client move towards willingly and safely making changes and experiencing difficult feelings? So cycling through these four questions as therapy progresses leads to fruitful exploration. Yes, um, I think first of all, it, it really puts an emphasis on the fact that at any given moment, probably not all of the aspects of the person's problems are, are accessible or visible. And so we don't have to know everything all the time. We can start with what's most obvious and what's, what's right there in front of us. Those are the things that people are able to work with in, in therapy. And so as we go through these questions and resolve layers of problems, then we're going to find ourselves a little bit deeper the next time. So we're going in kind of a spiral fashion, deeper and deeper into what the feelings are. It's also helpful to cycle through the problems because as we go, we're going to come up against those EDPs, those entrenched dysfunctional patterns that are simply resistance to the changes that we're proposing. And so those two are dysfunctional patterns where these four questions apply as well. So it works on many levels at once, and it keeps getting us deeper as we go through the therapy. So what we'd like you to do is, as you're practicing therapy and as you're learning through these podcasts, we want you to keep remembering what, how, why, and why not. What dysfunctional pattern is going on right now and, and is right in front of us? 
How does it work to shield the person from an uncomfortable feeling? What exactly is the feeling that it's shielding them from? And what is making it potentially uncomfortable or difficult to make progress right now? What do we need to take into account to clear the way for the client continuing to be willing and ready to encounter difficult awareness and uncomfortable feelings as the therapy goes on. So as we progress into uh, these podcasts, uh, which are chapter-by-chapter uh, chapter companions to the book, we're going to be delving into much greater detail in this process, knowing that each time we're in session, we're keeping these four questions front and center to sharpen our therapeutic focus and to better help our clients. So, so we hope we've given you four helpful tools that you can think about and, and keep using. These are questions that you as a therapist are going to ask yourselves. However, often enough, there are times when actually asking the client as well can be very helpful because a question is an interesting thing. A question is sort of like a story without an ending yet. And we all know that everybody wants to get to the ending of a story so a question is a very motivating thing to do to, to raise, even if nobody has the answer right now, because it gets the, the whole mind, the implicit instinctive part of your mind, as well as the conscious part of your mind, focused on where's the answer to that question. And, and so when you get to the point where you can ask these questions out loud, that's a good thing to do. And then you have a partnership going after the, the answers to them. Okay. So this concludes today's podcast. Thank you for listening to the end. We hope we've whetted your appetite to go on and learn a lot more about the common aspects that apply to all therapies. That's why we call this non-denominational. And, and then some more about technique and, and how to conduct therapy. And finally, a matrix of different kinds of EDPs, different kinds of entrenched dysfunctional patterns that you're going to run into in the course of, of your practice. So uh, welcome to our podcast series. Yes, welcome. And in the meantime, we'd love you to visit Dr. Smith's website, www.howtherapyworks.com, where you can purchase the book, Psychotherapy, A Practical Guide, and find other articles for clients and therapists. And we look forward uh, to spending some time with you in our future podcasts. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Smith. Okay, bye for now. Bye-bye.